This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, it is NFL Draft Time. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, but this time of the year, it gets a little special, and if you are one of the non-49ers fans, first off, I apologize, but um, this is going to be a draft-specific podcast for the next few months until after the draft, so uh, for all my 49ers brethren, the faithful out there, stay tuned. Uh, I will be adding NFL or 49ers news at the end of these podcasts, which I will mention the time that that starts in the description. But uh, this is going to be a specific draft podcast, and today is going to be awesome. I'm really excited about it. It's basically going to be a Nick Bosa versus Josh Allen podcast. We're going to dive in deep to both of these two guys, you know, two top five, top ten picks guaranteed, basically, and what they both offer. I'm going to go through my complete scouting report and coaching notes for each one of them, where their strengths and advantages are. And whenever I judge or break down game film for edge rushers, I go through a 10 part scheme, um, basically evaluation list on 10 different things. And I'm going to go through and share the grades that I put out for each one of them in each category, where each person uh, supersedes the other strengths and weaknesses because they both have those. Um, you know, they're they're both going to be top five picks probably, but definitely are not void of their own weaknesses and disadvantages at least at this point. So uh, that's what we got going on. This is going to be an edge specific podcast, and as I continue my analysis and breaking down different ones, I'm going to be bringing in different people that I have in a similar tier at different positions and doing a very similar concept. So if you are a NFL draft person or you know a friend of another team, send them over here. Tell them to look up 49ers Rush Podcast, hit subscribe, because this is going to be all NFL draft for the next few months. I'm so excited. Got my tickets to fly out to Nashville. Um, so Without further ado, little bit of housekeeping. Um, we have been given our friends, our sponsors over at NFL 
Game day sports and memorabilia have given us one of the greatest gifts a person could ever have. A signed Roger Craig authentic jersey. This is amazing. The very first player in NFL history to have 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving in the NFL. Absolutely incredible. I love Roger Craig. Just the high knees man himself back in the day so if you want this jersey it is yours very easy all you have to do is head over to my twitter at jl underscore chapman jl underscore c-h-a-p-m-a-n retweet that tweet um and then hit subscribe to my youtube channel which if you haven't already you need to i put almost all of my video analysis up on there on top of the highlight videos and coaching notes that I put up. So all you have to do is head over to YouTube. Uh, just Google John Chapman, J-O-H-N-C-H-A-P-M-A-N. Then on the filter, click filter, channels. It's the first one to pop up. You'll see me with the sunglasses on there. Hit subscribe to that. I put a lot of video content up there that just doesn't really go through the podcast media. So if you are a visual person, I already have my detailed coaching breakdown of both of these. But I just want to say thanks again. Game day sports and memorabilia. If you need any type of sports memorabilia, these are your people. Uh, they have everything. Side posters, autographs, helmets, mini helmets, cards, whatever you need. So birthdays, they are the people. We are so thankful. They they help us out a lot and give us a lot of fun stuff to give away. So again, uh, head over there, retweet that, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, John Chapman, and just hit subscribe, and you are entered in, and I will let you know the winner when we get to that time. So let's jump in. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to go through and just read my coaching notes over both of these players. We're going to start with Nick Bosa, who, you know, you're going to find out I'm pretty biased right off the start. Um, I love Nick Bosa. I do think he is the number one player in this draft so far. Um, so out of Ohio State, six foot four, 263 pounds. Um, he, he's a big dude, but not near as big as his brother. He's a little bit smaller. Now, the, there's a couple knocks on him just with the injury-related issue, but I'm telling you right now that is a soft core muscle issue. That is not something that is usually repetitive. Um, so, like, for the people that are saying he has an injury concern or red flags there, you got to delete that from your <laughs> from your memory. That's not the case with this. It's a core muscle issue. Uh, that is something that completely reheals. Now, his production wasn't elite. It was on that way. He only got to play in three games this year before he had his injury. Um and probably could have came back and played in the bowl season or perhaps Big Ten uh, championship. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to start to prepare for my career, which we're starting to see a trend more and more. So I guess, you know, if you want to knock him for that, that's your call. But um, again, his stack production is not elite. Uh, his freshman year, he put up five sacks. His sophomore year, eight and a half sacks, and then he had four sacks in three games before he got injured. So that only let, let, leads him up to 17 and a half career sacks. And he's not a huge tackling machine either. Um, only 77 career total tackles. And one of my biggest knocks on Bosa, and it's a small one, like I, sh I shouldn't say biggest knocks, it's hard to find a weakness in his game, is that he doesn't have that elite motor after the ball is out of the backfield. So 49ers fans, you're going to remember Justin Smith chasing down, you know, the Eagles and stripping the ball 20 yards downfield on a screen pass to win a game. You're not going to get that from Nick Bosa. It's not who he is. He goes all out, he elite first step, but he's not one of those high-end motor guys. So Bosa is exactly what you draw up, a 4-3 edge rusher. Um, an absolute elite 
first step, even though he doesn't have that top-end speed that you would probably want. I don't I don't see him being an elite speed guy like in the 40, but he is very, very quick out of his step. And, man, whenever you put the film of Nick Bosa versus his brother, they are almost identical for the first two to three steps. Now, he's very heavy-handed, and what I mean by that is whenever he engages with the blocker, whether it's a tackle or a guard, the tackle moves. So he's not a person that just puts his hands out there to get ex extension. He's violent-handed. So whenever he extends his hand, he affects the blocker big time. Um, and the bend around the edge just is uncanny for his size because he's thick-hipped. Whenever you look at Nick Bosa and Josh Allen next to each other, even though their size is very comparable, they are built completely different. You know, Nick Bosa 6'4", 263, and Josh Allen 6'4", 258. So there's only about a five pounds difference. But the athleticism of Josh Allen is uncanny compared to Nick Bosa's much more stout and thick in the hips. But this does not seem to affect Nick Bosa on the edge. His bend is beyond incredible. And so again, whenever I talk about bend, what I mean is once the outside pass rusher in a 4-3, so the tackle gets their depth and that end gets to quarterback depth. Meaning, if he just keeps going de uh, deep, he's going to run behind the quarterback, right? Think Cassius Marsh. He's very infamous for this. But once he gets to that quarterback depth, he bends in and uses his lower leverage. Von Miller's probably the best in the NFL at this to basically create an L to the quarterback. So he goes straight up field, then cuts diagonally in or flat in to get to the quarterback depth. He doesn't round behind the quarterback. Now, at the contact point, what I was saying earlier about his heavy-handedness, his hands and hips are always going in the opposite direction. So even though he is very thick in the waist, Nick Bosa, he is able to make linemen miss consistently because he gives them a very broad target with his, his shoulders, but as soon as they go to engage and extend their arms, he is amazing at deflecting arms and twisting hips and shoulders opposite to minimize the target once they try to engage. And so uh, there's no wasted moves. And it's almost, it's very ideal. It's almost like shadow boxing. Whenever he, you know, Aaron Donald's very, very famous for this because whenever the guards and centers try to engage him, he just slips through. Nick Bosa has this very same kind of um, no wasted moves, slippery big man. Um, which is ideal. It's what you're looking for. And he's also great at attacking half a man. And what I mean by that is that the 49ers don't coach this very well, um, Robert Saylor's defense, is when the defensive end is rushing the quarterback in an obvious pass situation, your concern is not so much to occupy the blockers so they don't get to your backers. It's different in the run game and pass game. In the pass game, you just want to get to the quarterback. So you do not want to engage with the blocker uh, as minimally as possible. You want to get rid of them. And so a lot of times we will rush. This is probably Solomon Thomas's biggest issue is he, he engages the offensive tackle head up. His head is almost in between the chest and he is hitting both shoulders, which means you're losing leverage. That's going to be in the offensive tackles, um, or offensive guards favor every single time. But what Nick Bosa does is he attacks half a man, which means he will engage with both hands on only the left ta the left shoulder of the left tackle. He's not engaging the full man. He's only hitting half a man. And that gives him leverage, and you see the leverage that he uses and how to take advantage of it play in, play out.
The, I always say this, um, watching highlight film, you know, I, I get it and it's fun and you can see how great somebody is. That's like reading a dating profile set up on Tinder. But whenever you go back and you watch game film, you watch every single play three or four times throughout the entire span of a game. That's like going and talking to an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend and saying, hey, what's the issues here? What are the good and what are the bad? And whenever you can see a player whose highlights match their game film, that's when the alarm goes off. And you see this repeatedly with Nick Bosa. He's a very disciplined player when it comes to run gap responsibilities. He is absolutely perfect in the run game he never turns his shoulders he is always parallel to the line of scrimmage and he maintains his gaps down the line he never gets in the backfield whenever he's not supposed to and if he does get in the backfield it's because he's driving his man back he's not slipping uh blocks to where his linemen go pick up uh, a linebacker so he's keeping his linebackers able to elevate their play by the way he handles the his run game responsibility um, and his pursuit angles are great. Again, the only thing is just his top end speed and effort seems to dissipate after the ball uh, clears the um, line of scrimmage. Um, not that it, it's, again, <laughs> this is the only negative and it's a small one is that he doesn't show crazy effort, but that's about it. Now, my player comparison for him is a less athletic Miles Garrett. I don't think he's as athletic and bendy as him. Um, sorry, but he does have a better bend. So less athletic Miles Garrett, but a better bend around the corner, which is insane. My scoring, the way that I do this, again, I, I don't finalize everything until after the combine, but he is neck and neck with Miles Garrett. And I think I might like him a little bit more than Miles Garrett as, as of now. I think he should go first overall or second overall. I don't think there's any way he gets past number two. Um, and that is Nick Bosa. Now... Let's jump over and let's talk about Josh Allen and then I'm going to go through kind of my report card of the 10 different categories and on a scale of 1 to 10 how they each fared out. So Josh Allen, he is 100% all production in the SEC. Again, 6'4", 258 from Kentucky and this guy has every award imaginable. Um, he got everything. The Bronco Nagurski Award, Chuck Bederick Award, Consensus All-American, Ronnie Lott Award, SEC Defensive Player of the Year Award, broke the record for most sacks ever in one year for the SEC. Like, this guy balled out against the best competition. And what makes it even crazier is he was only rushing the passer about half the time. They used him in coverage like crazy. So even though he was able to get 17 sacks his senior year, um, he could have had way more because he was only rushing the passer about half the time. So if you are looking at production, Josh Allen's going to be your guy. Um, he didn't get a lot of playing time his freshman year. He only saw three games, had half a sack that year. But after that, it was all on seven sacks sophomore year, seven sacks senior or junior year, then 17 and a half um, sacks his senior year. And also tackles for loss. He finished with his career 42 tackles for loss, which is just insane. He plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Whereas Nick Bosa is your ideal 4-3 edge, Josh Allen is your ideal perfect outside linebacker in a 3-4 setting because his versatility jumps off the charts. His speed is elite. 
Um, and so he was used in every single way possible as an off-the-ball linebacker on the edge, split out wide, lined up in man-to-man coverage versus the number two wide receiver in certain sets. Um, I mean, the, the guy has – he's played where he is the – spy or mirror to the quarterback against running quarterbacks this guy's done it all and there's not a weakness that <laughs> you know the nfl values edge pressure more than any position on defense however josh allen can do it all and i don't think that this is a negative for him however if he does go to a 4-3 team um, i think that he will be very very successful however you are taking away about half of his traits um, ideally, he needs to go to a 3-4. He'll be successful in either team. Um, and every single NFL team will have this kid on their um, on their big board. But in a perfect football world, he would be playing somewhere very similar to kind of that TJ Watt role uh, with the Steelers, where he is just a playmaker every single play. Sometimes it's in coverage. Sometimes it's in run. Sometimes it's in pass uh, rush. All those things. He's just kind of, and I don't want to say jack of all trades. He's like a king of all trades. He's just good at everything. So again, when you look at Josh Allen, even though their size is similar, pure speed and athleticism. Now, um, he will fit every scheme as I talked about. Now, his coverage skills are A-plus for an off-the-ball linebacker in both zone and man. He gets his hand on the football in the passing game, and he is very, very long. I'm curious to see what his wingspan's going to be, but I'm thinking it's going to be very, very close to like seven foot, something very similar to what we saw with Tremaine Edmonds last year who uh, was the off-ball linebacker drafted by the Bills who just had a great year and got better and better and better. He could be that player, but – he offers much more value when he rushes the passer. He is one of the best speed pass rushers I have graded in college football. He He's up there. Now, the problem, and this is the big negative, okay? Not saying he can't do it because he plays with so much power in the run game and he is very physical at the point of attack, but you never see this off the edge. He has one move and one move only, and that is pure speed off the edge, beating the tackle around the bend and getting to the quarterback, which he's amazing at. But we have seen in the NFL, when you go up against people like Trent Brown that are super, super long, or you go up against somebody like Joe Staley that's basically a tight end and offensive tackle's body, you cannot just have one pass rushing move to be an elite pass rusher at the NFL. Now, could he just stay with his speed rush and still get seven or eight sacks a year? Yeah, I think that's his floor if he goes to a 4-3 team. But somehow he's going to have to develop some type of inside counter move or a power rush move. Not saying he can't do it because his body type seems to elude that he can, and you see it in the running game. I'm just saying you. I have not seen it in game film yet. Um, he is a one-trick pony as of now. Again, just because they haven't done it, now you are moving to potential, right? And Potential just means, Bill Parcells' famous quote, potential means you just haven't done it yet. So if you can get a defensive coach or you know a, a pass rush specialist that can teach this guy and enhance his moves, then he's going to be elite because he is absolutely incredible and effective at just that speed rush with a slip, simple arm rip to get the player's uh, the offensive tackles arm off of hands off of him and get to the quarterback. He's so quick. Um, now very disciplined in the run game. Excels in backside pursuit and stopping cutback lanes. Probably one of the most disciplined 
defensive players I've seen in a while at this. And as I was watching film and you could see him spy different quarterbacks, I'm sitting there thinking, man, if I have Lamar Jackson or I have a Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, quarterback Josh Allen, in my league, man, I want to spy on obvious running downs with Josh Allen, this guy, because the way that he just glances off of blocks and gets to the ball carriers uncanny in the open field. Uh, you can't juke this guy. He's so long, he's so athletic, and he's so technique-proven whenever it comes to tackling in the open field. Now, he sometimes does miss tackles whenever it's inside the box, but whenever he's in the open field, he's incredible. So, again, there's going to be some teams that look at Josh Allen and just say, holy cow, he will completely negate and take away um, a quarterback that thinks they're mobile. So he's going to have a lot of extra value to certain teams there. My player comparison for him is Bruce Irving with more size. If you remember when Bruce Irving came out of West Virginia, you know, he was that wide nine technique that just shot out of his freaking out like a cannon to get the quarterback every single play. And that's really all he did. However, Josh Allen can do that from a tight against the tackle technique that that seven technique or outside shade um and that that's the thing is because he's not a liability in the run game and he can cover and he can play off the ball if you need him to so i think that he will go in the top five i really really do and i don't think that there's much competition for the top two guys now i love cleland farrell um i'm a big polite fan even though i don't think i think he's very very raw and obviously montez sweat who had a great practicing week at the senior bowl with our coaching staff but didn't have the best game um you know those are kind of the second tier guys and i like those guys however if you are picking at the top of the draft you're picking one or two these two guys are the ones you want obviously nick bosa for me and i don't think it's close especially for the 49ers who run a 4-3 um, now if you run a 3-4 i still would prefer nick bosa but josh allen is going to be more versatile and you can do more things with them now let's go through category by category and i have these in order okay of things that i look for whenever i scout edge pressures now this is not completely my own list um last year i went into the dark interwebs and started uh <laughs> went on a bill walsh kind of history whatever and just read everything i could of bill walsh and what he put out and he actually had a top five things that he looks for when he drafts every position or scouts every position so i stole this from the great Bill Walsh and adapted it and add some new things to it. So let's go through this. Number one that he said, and I agree with him, is speed rush with a bend. Now, uh, this is the number one thing. And with Nick Bosa, I have him at a solid eight. Should be probably a nine. And Josh Allen's at a 10. This is one of the categories where Josh Allen is hands and shoulder, head and shoulders way above Bosa, which is crazy to think of. Now, the number two thing is a power slash bull pass rush. Nick Bosa's at a perfect 10 here. Uh, Josh Allen is at a 2. And I put him at a 2 because I've seen him do it in the run game. Again, as I said earlier, just non-existence on game film. Um, I think he can do it. He just haven't seen it. Quick first step. Bosa's got an 8. Great first step. Gets out a yard ahead of everybody almost every play. Josh Allen, even more elite, which doesn't even make sense. He's at a 10. Now, play recognition, I have them both at an 8. They're both very, very solid in the run game. They understand when it's a pass. Uh, they are opportunists whenever it comes to the balls on the ground or fumbles. They're going to be around there. Now, effort or motor, I've got Nick Bosa at a 7 and Josh Allen at a 9. 
Um, times on the ground. I never see any of them on the ground. This is one of the most important things and where some of those second-tier pass rushers are way behind is they are constantly on the ground getting cut, not using their hands, getting uh, their weight off balance, uh, pancake block. It happens. And so the fact that both of these guys score a perfect 10 there helps you see why they're so elite. There's not going to be busted plays on your defense because of these two guys. Now, punishing tackler. Whenever you tackle, they feel it, and they're scared of you. Nick Bosa's at a 9, pretty close to a 10. He's a mean, mean man. Um, Josh Allen's at a 6. Even though he is strong and powerful, sometimes he likes to arm tackle. Uh, he's a lot longer. His wingspan, I'm guessing, is going to be quite a bit longer than Bosa. And so sometimes he kind of wraps them up and slings them down, whereas Bosa just goes through your soul, <laughs> just who he is. Hand use to create separation, Bosa's a perfect 10. Violent, quick, smart hands. Allen's at a 6. Um, he's got good hands. However, he doesn't use a lot of moves. He kind of just does the dip and rip where you just pull your elbow up to your ear and try to get the hands of the lineman off of you. And that's about it. Whereas when Bosa engages, he's moving your body. <laughs> You're moving away run game. Uh, Nick Bosa is at a 10. Now, Josh Allen is interesting because I gave him two separate grades. If you're going to use Josh Allen on the line in a four, three scheme, I gave him a six. But if you run a 3-4, I gave him a 10 because he is great off the ball, reading up the middle, uh, cutting off back lanes, all those things. But again, we haven't seen him a lot on the line against the run. So that, that's going to go to Bosa there. And coverage, this is probably one of the most lopsided. Bosa gets a 2. We don't see it very often. Josh Allen gets a 9. He's incredible in coverage. So... Those are kind of the 10 criteria. Um, again, I lean Bosa big time in a 4-3 and a 3-4. I think it's closer, but still give the nod to Bosa. Now, here's where I want to talk a little bit just about the draft, uh, how the draft will fall. Now, the Arizona Cardinals have come out and they have said they are switching back to a 3-4 scheme. This is very, very important in the draft because, again, as I've talked, I think that they are much closer in value if we look at a 3-4, but if you look at what the Cardinals do, they have Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is playing that elite kind of pass rushing spot off the outside linebacker position they did for the Patriots. Uh, he led the NFL in sacks two years ago. They have that guy under contract. He's not going anywhere. That's the same spot where you would play these guys. Now, I think that for them, a better fit would be Quentin Williams, the absolute insane inside defensive end. For Alabama, he is incredible. So if I am a 49ers fan, which I am, I do think that our chances right now are at about a 60-40%. I, I think that uh, that we will be able to get Nick Bosa, that he will not go number one. Now, I do think that Nick Bosa is the best person in the draft. However, if I am the Cardinals at one and we just switch to a 3-4, I think Quentin Williams is will play a better role in what they are trying to do. Uh, Bosa can do that. I agree, but I think that Quentin Williams is a possibility there. And then on top of that, and this is where I get to 60-40, um, I think a quarterback-needy team can trade up to that number one overall spot. Uh, we have gone six straight years where a quarterback has gone in the top three. So I, I expect that to continue. I understand this isn't the strongest quarterback class, but we've had a lot of bad quarterback classes in the past, and it doesn't matter. If you're a quarterback-needy team, You've got to trade up to get your guy. 
and there's about six to seven teams that are likely to trade up, and I'm putting them in order. So, number one, these are teams that are likely to trade up number one overall for a quarterback, or two, let's say the Cardinals do take Nick Bosa, the 49ers should trade out. I like Josh Allen. I don't like Josh Allen at that two spot. I wouldn't be mad if we took it, but I would much rather trade back to kind of that five to six range and see what's there uh, and just get a ridiculous amount of picks. So let's go through these teams that are most likely to trade up according to me. <laughs> this is John Chapman's analysis, and these are in order. Number one is Jacksonville, who's sitting at seven. One, they have already come out publicly and said, we are not happy with our quarterback situation, which I don't know how you could be happy with Blake Bortles there. But not only are the most likely to trade up, they have all of their picks in the first seven rounds and an additional third. So I could strongly see Jacksonville moving up to that one or two spot. Uh, they're very, very close. I think that they would have to spend a first next year at least um, and probably an additional third. So if they're jumping up to that one or two spot, I could see them giving up first round this year, first round next year, and a third or a fourth. Um, so they wouldn't have to mortgage the whole bank. Um, second team is Denver picking at 10. You know, John Elway has just been awful. Um, you know, he got that Super Bowl where he just paid every free agent in the world and then screwed over his salary cap for the next several years and then made several bad quarterback evaluations. But they don't have a quarterback. Case Keenum is not going to be the guy. It's just not going to happen. So what are you going to do? They're picking at 10 right now. Um, and they have an extra fourth and a fifth round pick. So I, I understand, like, if you're listening to this saying, well, what the hell is a fourth and a fifth round pick going to do to get you to move up from 10 to 1 or 2? It's not going to do much. But if you give up a second or third round pick to get up that high, you now have these extra picks to try to fill depth. And so fourth and fifth round picks, they add a lot of value in the fact that you can still sell to your fan base. Well, hey, look, we moved up to get a quarterback, and we still have six picks in this draft, so we're able to address all of these needs. So I think Denver is the second big chance, and I think those two, Jacksonville and Denver, are kind of in a tier of their own. After this, we start to get into questions. Uh, Cincinnati at pick 11. You know, Andy Dalton's not going to be the guy there forever. Eventually, you got to move on, and Marvis, Marvin Lewis is gone now. Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach for the Rams, is now their head coach. I don't think you want to move forward with Andy Dalton. If you want to make a stance, new head coaches usually mean new quarterbacks, unless you have something in place uh, like Frank Reich did with Andrew Luck. If you don't have a strong quarterback in place and you're a head coach slash former quarterback coach, that's what you're going to do. You're going to try to find a way to move up, and I think that they could. Miami at 13, um, again, you know, you, you move on from your head coach, and you don't have a quarterback. There's no way you can believe in Ryan Tannehill can stay healthy, let alone is he good enough to lead your team to the playoffs. So they've got to get a quarterback. And two teams that are mentioned a lot that I disagree with, um, number one is Tampa Bay at five, even though they're the first quarterback needy team um, to pick. Bruce Arians is their head coach. If they would have got a different head coach, I would have said, yeah, they're going to trade it for a quarterback. But Bruce Arians is old, and I don't think he's likely to start a rebuild. So Jameis Winston or a veteran quarterback is going to be at play there. I really do not see them trading up for a quarterback just because, again, Bruce Arians might have two or three years. That's it. 
And so do you really want to start over with a rookie quarterback and groom him for another head coach to come in? I, I don't think he's going to. And a, a big reason why he retired and left the Cardinals was because all of his quarterback opportunities were completely gone. Uh, Carson Palmer was done, and he didn't want to go through that process. So he retired, and now he's back. And to be honest with you, I, I think Jameis Winston is a horrible quarterback just because he's not smart and makes terrible decisions. But this is the best coaching situation for Jameis Winston. Uh, downfield, vertical, passing threat. And so Bruce Arians is going to get the best out of him. Now the Giants at six, a lot of people talk about them trading up. Their GM, David Gettleman, has traded up one time, one time whenever he was with Carolina to get a linebacker. But again, it wasn't like a huge trade up. I do not see him as trading up in the first round for a quarterback. I hope he does. I really do. But they don't have a third round draft pick. Um, they do have two second or two fourths and two fifths, but their draft capital isn't the best. And they have a very old school GM that just does not believe in trading up in the first round. So I don't think that they will be moving. I really don't. And then the last one is Washington at 15. They don't have a fourth or a fifth, and their quarterback, I don't know if you want to move forward with Alex Smith and Colt McCoy. Um, Alex Smith might not ever play again. Colt McCoy is coming off a pretty bad injury himself. But I think that there are a lot of options for trading right there. So anyway, just keep in mind, there's going to be movement at the top of the draft. There is every single year, and it's just which team is going to be the one to jump up. And if somebody does jump up to number one and grab a quarterback, that means Nick Bosa falls in the lap of the 49ers, and we're going to be extremely happy in San Francisco with that. But um, thanks for listening. And again, just a quick recap, head over to YouTube, hit subscribe to my page, just type in John Chapman, hit the filter button, go down to channels, it'll be the first one that pops up. Uh, you'll see my ugly face. Hit subscribe there and head over to Twitter and retweet that Roger Craig jersey so you can win a free autographed Roger Craig jersey. Thanks a lot. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. Take care, and we'll be back with you guys with another round of different NFL draft prospects. I'm hoping to finish out my pass rushers. I'm going to do another four-part series where we'll go through each one pretty quickly, um, but stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.